Thank you. I have to make sure my cup is not facing towards the camera because it might offend some people. I'm fueled by leftist tears. Usually uh, when the air conditioning comes on here, I'm quite cool, almost cold, but I don't think I've ever spoken in a quarter zip before, and I'm on fire tonight, so Rodney, crank the AC. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Rodney caught me off guard a little bit last week. I've, Dustin tried to warn me about this. He said when you start speaking, um, I guess, a little more consistently, you, you get kind of the the very first time you get the, hey, why don't you get something together and let me know when you're ready and, and you can tell me and I'll set you up to speak. And then uh, it'll, hey, why don't you speak in about a month? And I was helping clean up last Sunday night. He's like, hey, why don't you get something together next Sunday night? I'm like, I don't know, but... I, I got home and I texted him. I said, since Chris spoke about being humble, I'll go ahead and get something ready. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's crazy, though. It's the Lord's timing. Every time Rodney has asked me to speak, I, we're always doing devotionals or reading our Bible every day, but there's usually something that you're kind of trying to figure out, and it's on your heart. And Rodney has always asked me to speak when I, I don't. I'm always nervous about speaking in front of everybody. Of course, the hardest part is getting up and, and starting the what you have prepared, but there's always something on my heart. Whenever Rodney asked me, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I don't want to speak, but there's something on my heart that I can speak that the Lord's pressing upon me. And I'm thankful to the Lord for that because uh, something that I appreciate about our body is I've never been in a really huge church. I've, I've never been, uh, all, all the brothers that come up here and speak, we've never been officially trained. And I know pastor spoke about a good communicator, uh, last week and and false prophets and i kind of appreciate the fact that rodney will ask one of us to speak and there's been accusations in the past of us all being little pastors that we're all just kind of mini clones and we say the same thing and we never get together and prepare a word i've never talked to anybody about what i'm bringing every once in a while when we're speaking after church we all might be talking about something and Chris, Dustin, Austin, Rodney, somebody might say, hey, this is what I've been thinking about. I, I might speak on it, but it's never like I don't have to bring my papers to Pastor or Rodney and have them edit it and say, well, you can't say this, this, and this. You need to say it this. You need to say it this way and present it in this fashion. There's never been any formal training, and, and, and it's just kind of rough around the edges, and we all have our own style, and we all just present what's on our heart and where the Lord is leading us, and it's always to preach Christ. And I appreciate that, what, what Katie said. There's, there was a, a time in the last couple months where there's so many voices calling you and distracting you and putting fear in your life and everything that's happened in the past couple months with all the war propaganda and inflation and the country and the instability and jobs. And there's so many weights and changes in my life, especially right now. Jennifer and I are going through a change, through a change where we have officially become empty nesters. Hayden has his own place. My mother-in-law is going to be getting her own place. And we're going to have this big, gigantic house with nobody in it. You guys are almost there. But it's, it's a different stage in life that the enemy will try to get you in different areas. And, and uh, fear and who am I now? What do I identify with? I, I'm not raising children anymore. I have a different relationship with my children now versus when they were younger. It's, it's more of a counseling, and if they come to me for something, if Adrian calls me, I try to counsel her as best as I can. 
uh, with what she has going on in her life. But it's not like having little ones and I'm well past uh, spanking stage and all that. And you're challenged with, with different things in your life and you have to push through that. And every time I've counseled to somebody, like, like Katie said, when you're, when you're in the storm, when Peter saw the Lord, he said, Lord, if that's you, call me out and I'll come to you. And he had his focus on Christ. He was looking at him, and he was committed to going out. And as soon as he realized there's still a storm going on, he's walking on water, there's no one there to rescue him, boom, plummeting into the water, and the Lord had to pull him out. If you start looking at and listening to the voices and looking at everything that's going on in the world and being concerned about the economy and the gover- everybody's out to get you and everything that you eat is going to kill you and just everything, you start focusing on all that, and you don't put your your strength and comfort and peace and rest in the Lord, then you'll be missing out on the joy that he has for you. And so that's just something that I just wanted to let you know that has been a struggle in my life recently. And I don't want to drag anybody else down. I don't want to drag Jen down with being the ultimate pessimist and always being negative and a bad outlook on life. And every morning is just just what it is. I want to be thankful for each day that the Lord has blessed us with because When we take food and give Thanksgiving, that might be our last meal. Something might happen to us on the way home or while we're sleeping at night or when we're on our way to work. You just never know how many days or minutes or hours you're going to be given on this earth. And they're numbered. But that was all just kind of uh, for fun for you guys. Uh, Tonight I'm going to be talking about being double-minded. Um. My foundational scripture, uh, the two scriptures I want to focus on, uh, James 1, verse 8. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And then if you go down to chapter 4, James 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And I want to talk about... as, as people were able to multitask, we're able to do different things uh, at the same time. And, and uh, I just want to kind of give an example of what James is not talking about. Uh, Jennifer can testify to this. If, if we're going somewhere and I start having a, a deep conversation, I'll be talking to her, engaging with her, and then she'll go, oh, you're, you're supposed to take that exit or whatever. You're just so focused in, but you're still driving, but you're not thinking. And a lot of times when I would drive to the Walmart warehouse in the morning throughout all those years, there were some times where I would show up to the parking lot and think, how, how did I just get here? I don't even know how I got here. It's almost like double-mindedness. But that's, that's not what James is speaking to here. He's, he's talking about a, in a Hebrew saying that it was called a heart in a heart. Or some versions of this scripture will say, you two-souled individual. You're, you're trying to serve two masters. You're trying to be two things. You're trying to have both ways. Uh, something that's frustrating for believers is when you see somebody that's pretentious, somebody that's false, somebody that's fake, and maybe they've been called out on certain issues and they still try to act a certain way. They show up to church. They present something on the outside, but you know what's going on in the inside is is wrong. And what's even worse is, we've all seen it in the past is somebody that you never even thought anything was going on. And next thing you know, they're just walking away from the Lord and their life's in utter destruction. You had no idea what was going on and you just thought they were an amazing person. And I've had mentors in my life, family members that I looked up to that, that walked away and it, it hurts. It's crushing uh, when you have friends and family that 
that kind of break you in that area. You lose trust. It's, it's hard to build back up, but it's one of those things that double-mindedness is something that you need to make sure that you're taking care of every day. You need to make sure that your mind is focused on the Lord because you're either in the kingdom or you're not. The Lord does not want anybody that's lukewarm. He calls us to be on fire for him, being a true servant. If your heart is not right, you're not being a true servant of Christ and you're not surrendering all, then if you're not surrendering, why are you wasting your time? If your mind's on something else, if what you do outside of this building, outside of this church, the way you present yourself, it, if it's the complete opposite, why do you waste your time showing up to church? Why do you spend the energy to come here and be ministered to? And it's, it's kind of like you're leeching off the kingdom. You're, you're trying to steal something that doesn't belong to you because you're not even desiring to be part of it because your heart is far from the Lord. You're just showing up. You're just presenting. You're just giving lip service. And it takes away from the fellowship of the body. So this is what James is talking to, a heart and a heart. And it's just someone who's trying to live, live both ways. And we see a lot of this issue with the world nowadays, especially with this whole trans thing and what Pastor talked about this morning. People are so diluted and so evil that they don't even know what they are biologically. It's just base nature. There's, there's no way around it. There's no debate. There's no reason to throw your pearls before swine and argue this point or waste your energy. If somebody doesn't want to hear it, you just walk away because more than likely you're going to end up getting in a physical altercation because of their nonsense and their evil. But they, they, want, they want to live in a, in a lie that they've allowed to become truth in, in their minds, their own false reality that they want to try to present to everybody else. And it's just like being double-minded. They are double-minded. They have a fleshly human brain, but they live in a delusion that they've created. So I wanted to take a look at a couple of examples in Scripture. I want to take a look at the Old Testament and the New Testament and then talk a little bit about the modern church, about their double-mindedness. So the first that I want to use an example, of course, is the nation of Israel all throughout the Old Testament. I'm currently doing a devotional on Elijah, and uh, I happen to read this scripture, I think, earlier this week, but it's in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. And uh, this is about Elijah when he's basically testing the prophets of, of Baal, where he's bringing a sacrifice, and they're bringing a sacrifice. And it says in this verse, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. They were not convinced. Their hearts were far from the Lord. They're, they're wishy-washy. They don't know who they're serving. And so Elijah, we know that he says, hey, prevent, or present your sacrifice to the Lord. And they danced around and started cutting themselves and, and blood. And, and they cried out to their God and nothing ever happened. And he said, you know what, throw water on the fire over and over again. And then, and then he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord came down and consumed the sacrifice in a mighty fire. And he, he said, all right, gird yourselves, and let's take out all these prophets. And that, that was the, the miracle that Israel witnessed amongst a thousand other miracles that they witnessed throughout all of their Old Testament uh, writings and everything that we read. You can see over and over again that they had to have some miracle or some sort of 
uh, prophet spoken over them in order for them to believe. They always fell back, went, went uh, backsliding over and over again. Even when they were pulled out of slavery and they wanted, they wished to go back, they said it would be better if we were still in chains. They, they just can never make up their minds. And they still wouldn't commit themselves one to the other. And then again in Isaiah 29, 13, it says, Isaiah 29, 13, you don't have to get it up there. I have it right here. But it says, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. And this isn't true worship. This isn't an honorable worship. This is more lip service and worshiping out of tradition. And I kind of liken this as, as kids that grow up going to church with their family. You go to church because your parents go to church, because your family goes to church. You go on Easter, you go on Christmas, whatever it is. You're, you're going according to the traditions of men. You're dressing up, you're putting on your suit, you're going and listening to the message, and then you're walking out and living your life. There's, there's no effect on your heart. There's no change. You're just observing it by the traditions of men. And that's most of what Israel was doing. It was just a tradition that was set before them, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were just following suit. But every time there was something that persuaded them the other way, they went that direction until the Lord brought in a prophet and a miracle to persuade them to return because he's a gracious and mighty, forgiving God. Thank the Lord or else I don't even know what we would have right now. Something else that he had planned. So, and I also thought of this scene, uh, that scene where you're just going along for the ride. Like, hey, do you want to go to dinner with us? Well, I already ate, but I guess I'll just come along for the ride. I'll just come to hang out. I'll just come to be around everybody. And you can't just be a, I'm along for the ride believer. You got to be, I'm here to believe, to serve, to work, and to honor the Lord, and to honor the brothers and sisters that he's put us into. We've got to be there for one another, especially right now in this time with Jacob. We're, we're all praying for him every day. And that's, that's what the true calling is, to fellowship with one another and to, and to bear each other's burdens. Amen? So that's, I want to look at that in the Old Testament. Israel was always back and forth, always hot and cold. And, and there, there were times there were good people in the Old Testament that were the lineage of Christ that, that proved their faith over and over. Um, and somebody else that I wanted to look at in the New Testament is Judas Iscariot. And it, in John, John says about Judas, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, talking about when the, the perfume was poured over our Lord before he was crucified, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put into it. Judas was a thief and a liar. He was a deceiver. He was a wolf. He walked with the Lord and he saw the miracles. He sat and broke bread with the brothers, with the apostles, with the disciples. He probably had great conversations with him. Nobody probably thought anything was going on, even at the table when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. They had no idea. They didn't know it was going to be Judas. He just, he just walked as one of the brothers. Nobody knew that he was going to commit the ultimate betrayal and surrender the Lord to, to the Jews. And in Matthew 27, it says, then Jude, or Matthew 27, verses 3 through 5. So 27, 3 through 5, starting at verse 3. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, 
I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hung himself. And I tried to look up some psychological studies as to, as to why shame and guilt will bring people to take their own life, but ultimately it's just a coward's way out. There, there, was, there was regret in Judas, but there was no repentance. He had what was left over. He saw what had happened, how he betrayed the Lord, and what he was left was looking at himself in the mirror, and it was, a, it was not a man. It was a wicked person, and he knew that all he could do was evil in his own heart, and there was only shame and guilt that he faced in his life. There was no true repentance, and even though he walked with the Lord, he knew the way to repentance, and we have free will because of this. The Lord knew that Judas was the betrayer. He said, I prayed for each one of these, and nothing happened to anybody except the son of perdition because that was meant to be. Judas was meant to make that choice. He was not persuaded in any way. He did it of his own free will. We can't say this was, this was predestination. Judas did this of his own free will. He betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver, and then he regretted his decision, but there was no true repentance. It doesn't ever say in Scripture that he, he could have repented and given his heart unto the Lord, and, and whatever punishment, whatever the outcome of that would have happened, but he chose the coward's way out and took his own life, and that field that he spilled his blood in was, was dead forever, and, and it says in Scripture that they just buried strangers there. It's just a, a, a field of, of unknown. And you, you see a different kind of repentance in Peter's heart. After he denied the Lord, and the Lord told him that you're going to deny me. And he said, no, I would never do that, Lord. I'm never going to deny you. And he still denied the Lord. But there's a difference. He didn't regret what he did, that he denied the Lord and just walk away and cry and mope and go, well, I'm, I'm just always going to be a denier and I'm never going to be able to live right. So I might as well go back fishing and just, and just lose my life. No, he repented. And he said, you know, I am ashamed, Lord, and forgive me for what I've done, and I want to live my life right. And, and he chose to serve the Lord and honor him after that and wait on the Lord. But we, we have to make sure, and I've dealt, I've dealt with this in my life. I've dealt with this with certain people that, that make, make terrible decisions that have certain sin in their lives, and, and there, there's, there's regret that they were either caught or they were exposed or some, the darkness came to light. And there's, there's a sor sorrowness, but there's not a repentance. And unless you have a repentant heart and truly cleanse yourself, humble yourself, and honor the Lord and say, I want nothing to do with this that has separated me from the Lord, then there's not going to be any change. You're just going to, well, I'm sorry, I got caught, and, you know, it stinks, and I'm upset with myself, and I just, I just don't know why I keep doing this. That's not the right attitude. You need to have a repentant and contrite heart and say, Lord, I want you to check me. I want you to see what's in my heart. See that there's no wicked way inside of me. Lead me into your everlasting way. So we know that Judas didn't have a repentant heart. Peter had a repentant heart. So I wanted to take a look at the modern church. And I want to take a look at a couple scriptures that kind of describe how the modern church is and and I know a lot of times when we're speaking up here, it might seem like we're, 
we're bashing other churches or, or we're not trying to say that we're the best or anything like this. I'm just saying that this is something that is poisoning and plaguing uh, Western culture and Western churches especially. It's, it's just about profit and filling seats and branding and making a name for yourself and the worship team. And there's so much man elevation instead of Christ elevation. So the modern church, we're going to look at Matthew 23, verses 25 through 28. So Matthew 23, starting at verse 25, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean, cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but instead are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you are also outwardly appeared righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And I don't, I don't like to be called a hypocrite, and Jesus calls them hypocrites multiple times here. Because no matter how much you clean up on the outside, if you're not clean on the inside, then there's not going to be a change. You're still going to wither away more and more on the inside. Anybody can be uh, a chameleon and blend in and pretend and act like everybody else and be living a complete double life. We saw a, a major church leader, it was a couple of years ago, he passed away and ended up all this foulness was going on in his life. And I've listened to a hundred of his messages, read multiple of his books, and were blown away at some of the things that he said and come to find out that he was living that double lifestyle was was just beyond belief. I, I couldn't believe it, but it was actually covered up and it was well known and and that's something that we have to look out for. I'm I'm thankful for the accountability we have in this body. I know as as men, uh it's hard to approach one another and talk about our feelers and uh and say, hey, you, you, you got this going on, and I've noticed it, and it needs to be checked. And uh, I know Rodney kind of is the buffer for a lot of us, and he's kind of that intermediary, and he's always there to talk to. But I appreciate that accountability because uh, some, sometimes it, it might not be anything. It might not be bitterness or whatever. It's just something that's, that's kind of darkened us a little bit, and you're kind of in the shadow. And that joy's missing. And I'm thankful for people that will come up and put their arm around you and, hey, what's going on? Is everything going all right? And I know sometimes pride will well up and you won't say anything, but ultimately you have to humble yourself and, and say, you know, this is what's going on. And uh, a lot of times we're going to let our spouses know about that first before we go to the brothers, and I'm just thankful for that. But the modern church, and we've talked about it as soon as we moved to Oklahoma, there's these huge churches everywhere, these big grand buildings, and they're all filled up every Sunday I forgot who I was talking to, but if, if we take 96th Street on the way home after church, there's two huge Baptist church across from each other, and they actually have the sheriff's department come out and direct traffic when their services get out because they're so big. And that doesn't mean that there's good people at these churches, but like I said, every one of them has, has a drawing, has, has a brand. They have a website. They, I, I see their trailers. They've got, you know, the title of their church, the website, their colors, their, their youth program, and it's it's almost like they're just elevating themselves versus let's let's promote Christ. Let's let's be unified in the kingdom 
in promoting Jesus Christ and not be separated by the things that the enemy wants us separated by, not coexisting because I don't like that, but be unified in the kingdom as, as we fellowship with one another. They have a form of godliness, but they're far from the Lord. And this is something that's so crazy. I was looking at Psalm 12, and we're going to read the whole psalm, and I'll just kind of break through it. Something that was written so long ago that is so relevant right now. So I'm going to read the whole psalm. It's only eight verses, I believe, and I'm kind of winding down here. But this is exactly like the modern church and the world kind of tied in one. So verse 1, it starts, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases. I just want to take that right there. That, that's a lot of thing that I have struggles with is, is there anybody good left? Uh, I mean, I work in a warehouse. I don't even know how many hundreds of people are there, and, and maybe there's a couple believers, but most of the time I feel like it's just Jennifer and I. And you just feel everybody can't be wicked. We, we live in the Bible Belt, but it just doesn't feel like it. You, you feel a little freer out here, but it just doesn't feel like that true uh, contrite heart, that true faithfulness is here. And verse 2, or continuing in verse 1, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak idly, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things, who have said, with our tongue we will prevail our our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Who's going to tell me what to do? Now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. And this last verse, the wicked prowl on every side while vileness is exalted among the sons of men. It says in the word of the Lord that evil will become good and good will become evil. And every time you hear something new on the news or whatever it is, you think it can't get any worse, and it always does. There is nothing beyond the imagination of man. And it, it's, it's disheartening to see the wickedness that is elevated in society. Not just outside of the church, but in, in the church as well. A lot of it is being accepted. And it's total wickedness that we need to stand up against and not allow to come in. And, and the Lord is saying, those who earnestly seek me, those who yearn for me, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that's who the Lord is looking out for. But I know it rains on the just and the unjust. The wicked are still going to be able to do wicked things. Because judgment is going to come someday, payday someday, like Pastor said. But I just found that so so clear that a lot of people want to say that the Bible is not relevant anymore when you can read Psalm 12 and it's exactly what's going on in our world today. It's it's amazing. Like that's that's going on right now. The wickedness that's that's being elevated in society, and the promise for the for the promise of the Lord is safety for those who truly yearn for Him. And their hunger and thirst will be filled. And I want to close with these two scriptures. Uh, the first one is Psalm 86, verse 11. Psalm 86, 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. 
unite my heart to fear your name. I want my heart to be united. And this word in Hebrew, the word for unite in Hebrew is, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it's yakad, meaning to be or become one, having an undivided heart. It means your heart is one for the Lord. It's one. It's not divided to anything else. It's not divided into the world. It's not divided into your job. You don't elevate your family or anything else above the Lord. The Lord is priority. The Lord is number one. And that's, that's all you need. He is our sustaining grace in this life. He is everything that we need. He is our supplier of all that we need. And then in the New Testament, Matthew 5, 8, our Lord says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And this word pure in Greek is the word katharos. It means to be clean, to be clear, to be pure, to be undefiled. I want to be undefiled and undivided in my service to Christ. I want him to receive everything. And I know that there can be so many distractions and so many things that try to pull us in a thousand directions, no matter if you're the smallest type to the elderly. You're always going to be going through something that's going to try to pull you away from the Lord and the joy that he set before you. So what I want to leave you with is, is basically, if we're here, let's be all in. Don't be wishy-washy. If you haven't decided, then don't show up until you're ready. If you don't want to be here, don't be here. If you don't want to serve the Lord, don't serve the Lord. Go do something else until you're ready. Because it's just wasted time for yourself when you can be doing what you really want to do. So let's be honorable to the Lord. Let's have whole hearts and be one body and have one spirit for one Lord, and his name is Jesus. Amen?